Those lingering reports between Kyrie Irving and the Phoenix Suns, well, they're not going anywhere. They didn't end at the trade deadline. And on today's episode of Locked on Suns, we'll break down why the connection between Phoenix and Kyrie won't go away. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. Inching ever so close, one day closer to Kevin Durant's debut in Purple and Orange. So wherever you are finding us, we are everywhere, including YouTube, every podcast platform. Hit follow. Hit subscribe, get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday, get the latest, get caught up, have fun with your favorite team every single day. You can also follow along at Locked on PHX Suns on Twitter, where after each home game, after each regular season game, I should say, you'll have a chance to chime in with your seven words or less game takes. That'll be back Friday night against the Thunder, Sunday against the Bucks. Two very fun games this weekend. Hopefully we do see Kevin Durant. Get involved, get locked in all those different ways. We have three different buckets of news to get to, starting with Kyrie Irving here on today's show, so let's not waste any time. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. More from them later in the show. All right, Kyrie Irving. It actually landed in a way with this, with the schedule of this podcast that I actually didn't get to talk a ton about the Kyrie stuff because the news broke that he wanted to trade on a Friday. I don't record on Fridays. And then by the time Sunday came around when I was going to record, Kyrie had already been traded to Dallas. And we did a show at that point from the rest of that week on and trade deadline week. It was all Kevin Durant talk, right? It was just what's going on. Are they going to trade Aiton? Are they going to trade Chris Paul? Uh, can they get to rant on and on? And then they do, right? So I didn't get to talk much about Kyrie, but for better or worse, the connections between the Suns and Kyrie Irving are not going anywhere. Brian Windhorst this week or last week on Get Up on ESPN said, if you think this is over, it ain't over. Kyrie really was interested in being in Phoenix, so just start thinking about that. The very... uh very classic Brian Windhorst way of painting a scene there and, and kind of getting people interested. You know, the classic, the finger point was the ultimate, but that's just how windy is. But you also had Jake Fisher over at Yahoo writing, quote, the Suns approached the Nets about trading for Kyrie Irving once, once the all-star point guard asked out of Brooklyn. And there were rumblings around the league that Phoenix was hoping to somehow land both Irving and Durant. Now, both of these reports came in the immediate aftermath of the Durant trade. So almost, you know, more than a week ago at this point. But while those are the most kind of concrete times we've heard this indicated, if you listen to any NBA podcast, watch NBA analysis on TV, read any articles, it's out there, right? It keeps being referenced. I think I think Chris Haynes has mentioned this. 
Um, it doesn't feel like a one-off thing that one person heard that there were legitimate attempts by the Suns to go get Kyrie and that that pursuit may not be over. First thing on this, the fact that they thought they could get both is is one of the things that is stuck in my head and part of why I wanted to return to this. Uh, just from a trade standpoint, I mean, I think once we know what the trade ended up being, it's not super realistic that the Suns could have gotten both players when you realize they had to give up Bridges and Johnson and a bunch of picks just to get KD. But if you read the reporting about the Durant deal, their 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 goal was to have it probably be something like Aiton, Sharich, and Cam Johnson and picks, and then potentially they could have cobbled together something like Jay Crowder and I don't know what, uh, Cameron Payne and picks to maybe get a package similar to what the Mavs ended up giving up for Kyrie and obviously what some of the other offers for Kyrie were when you look at the Lakers and others. That's interesting. Interesting that the Suns even thought they could get both and obviously interesting to look back on the fact that that was unrealistic. In terms of going after Kyrie Irving, because again, I didn't get a chance to talk about this, I don't see the upside. And I do think this is a, a good opportunity to revisit it now that they do have Durant because I think it would be an even worse decision now. I actually feel like if you could have gotten Kyrie as a Chris Paul replacement, which is what their reported offer was, maybe that's what the real, as I was kind of piecing that together, I guess I left out Chris Paul. That's probably what the goal was, right? Do the Kyrie trade with Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and maybe one first round pick, and then get KD with whatever package it ended up taking, probably try to keep it centered on Aiton, but even if it's Bridges at that point, well, okay, great. He wasn't in the Kyrie trade, and then you get both, right? If that was the mentality setting aside Durant when you weren't sure you could get Durant, and we know the Suns made an offer, we know they made that offer of, of, of Paul and Crowder in the pick, I see that more. I, I get that. I agree with that more, actually, than I do when it comes to Durant. Because I look, and I talked about this on yesterday's show, I look at the Durant edition as the second superstar that you're pairing with Booker to prolong your championship window, the second creator, superstar creator that every championship team needs that Chris Paul sort of was in the first trip to the finals for this team, but is unlikely to ever be again. Almost a lock that Chris Paul will never be that player again, right? And it's no fault of his own. It's just the age. That's what I think the Kevin Durant trade did. And so, I don't understand the mentality of adding Kyrie Irving to that mix. Yes, three stars is better than two, but when I look at what the Suns' needs would be in a post-Chris Paul world with a team built around Booker and Durant, I don't see it as a player like Kyrie. I mean, it could work. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I would be more interested in how do we get a, a Mikhail Bridges type back into the lineup? How do we, you know, find shooting and 
size, and defense. That's kind of where I would be looking to build around those guys for the remainder of Durant's prime or, or Durant's you know best years. I don't understand bringing Kyrie in. Also, from a personality standpoint, from a culture standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, because we just saw those two guys not be able to work it out, you know? And so I, I just, I, I think it could have made sense if it was your pivot away from Chris Paul. If it was saying, we know what I just said is true, right? You're unlikely to ever get the level of performance over the course of a season, even a postseason, that you got from Paul in 2021. But we know we need to continue to win with Devin Booker, and we think Kyrie's our best chance to do that. We, we want to cash in now, sell as high as possible on what Chris Paul's value is, and go forward that way. But when you have Kevin Durant on the team, that's not as important. And so the idea that they thought about getting both is funny from that standpoint, especially funny from the standpoint of we know that those two personalities, yes, they seem to get along really well, but by the end, if you listen to Kevin Durant at All-Star Weekend, he's telling us he didn't even have a, a real gauge on what was going on with Kyrie from a contract standpoint, from a, his relationship to the organization standpoint. And so that doesn't make any sense to me either, that those two guys don't seem to have the closeness and connection that they once did. And I would imagine Durant's patience is, has worn thinner. I don't know if that means he would never, ever play with Kyrie Irving again. I'm not going to speculate or speak to what that, that dynamic is, having no idea. But I can't imagine that it would be the first thing he's signing up for after just leaving it. And then lastly, I just feel like it has to be said that Kyrie is about the riskiest investment you could make in a superstar player at this point in the league, at this point in his career, right? I don't understand why you would be bending over backwards to try to go out and do that. I understand when you're talking about superstars, the one who's available tends to be the easiest answer of which one to pursue. I think that <laughs> speaks for itself. But again, you have Durant and Booker. The pressure is alleviated a little bit. You can win with those two guys and a different supporting cast maybe that doesn't even include a third superstar because of how good those two both are and project to continue to be that said my opinion doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of what actually happens and so saying all of that that doesn't that's not me telling you that it's not going to happen or to, to not take this seriously the fact that there is so much smoke indicates to me that there is fire and that the Suns very well could explore sign in trades where they trade Chris Paul to the Mavericks, which would be kind of hilarious. Although that doesn't mean he actually ends up in Dallas. There's three teams. There's, they could waive him all that different type of stuff that they tried to get involved in something like that for Kyrie this summer. So it's simultaneously me highlighting the fact that there is so much reporting around this and returning your attention to that. But it's also me giving my two cents that I do not feel like it would be a very smart path to go down. We'll see where it ends up actually going. Speaking of paths, speaking of the roster, a new buyout player emerged today in the form of Will Barton. The Suns also facing a roster decision on Ish Wainwright. We'll break down the latest on that final roster spot next. First, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. If you've ever downloaded a daily fantasy app tried any form of daily fantasy sports you know how broken it was for a long time basically until prize picks came along with prize picks you pick two to six players and if they're going to score more or less 
than their prize picks player projection. That's the bottom line. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. All you're doing is going more or less than the prize picks projection, which means no competing against other people, no pool, no league, no head-to-head anything. That's the first way they fix things is you don't have to deal with people with sharks who are doing it. That's their day job is setting lineups and doing all that funny stuff. It's just you versus those projections. They have it for every sport. So if you love basketball, which of course you do, you're a junkie like me, then you go men's college, women's college, NBA, WNBA, all that. But they also have big time sports in the US. They also have more obscure international sports, disc golf, cricket, esports, tennis, boxing, MMA, all of it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states, including Arizona, as well as Canada. So download the PrizePix app now or go to prizepix.com to sign up, play daily fantasy sports the new way. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On, which means if you deposit $100, PrizePix puts $100 right back into your account. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, so Will Barton is available as of Tuesday. He was finally cut, and after a pretty poor season with the Wizards, he's only 32, and he's now on the open market. Let's get to his season now, and then I'll tell you what I think of whether he might make sense in Phoenix and also just the bigger picture because it's not just about Will Barton. So this year, Barton is shooting less than 40% from two-point range. He's barely getting to the rim. And he's shooting just 60, uh, sorry, 52% at the rim. So that's really bad too, right? I mean, you think he's 6'6", he is an athlete, he plays forward. For that all said, you know, 52% is like, you know, a guard, a Facundo Campazzo or something, right? And it's not like the Wizards were bad is the other part of this. He, it's not like he had nothing to play for. He was on a crap team, kind of the Terrence Ross effect, right? Where it's like, Ross actually had a decent season, but the past two years before this, he just wasn't very good. But it's like, okay, would you be good? Would you be in your best position mentally and physically and systematically if you were on the Orlando Magic the past two years? Probably not, right? It's not like that with Barton. He was on a Wizards team that's been about 500. They've been actually pretty good the past month or so, and he's not really contributed to that much of all, much at all. And so I guess the questions that I look at here with Barton or anybody, and I'll talk about another player here in a moment, as well as Ish Wainwright, who's in the mix to have his contract elevated to a full roster spot, which he's not currently on as a two-way player. The first question is, does he give you something no one else does? If you're looking at Will Barton, does he give you something no one else does? I think that was the question with Terrence Ross, right? And I think the answer was yes, because his combination of size, confidence, athleticism, shooting ability, there wasn't really a player like Terrence Ross on this roster. With Will Barton, it's a little different. But I do think the answer is more of a maybe than a no. I think Barton has a high IQ as a player. He's been in a variety of different situations as a player before. He's a good cutter, good finisher at his peak. I'll say he was a good finisher and cutter. I won't say he ha- he has been this year. And then he has solid size, right? Again, I think he's about 6'6", maybe even taller. You saw him in that Denver's Phoenix series a couple years ago. Yes, the Nuggets got, uh, got swept, but that was not Will Barton's fault, and he played pretty well. He's been very good as a role player around superstars in his past. So that's a maybe. 
You would be betting on the fact that he can be more like what he was in Denver than what he has been in Washington, and that something about this season was a little bit of a fluke. But if that's true, if your bet on that ends up panning out, you probably feel good about your your investment because that type of player could help this team. I think, though, when you say that, you also have to remind yourself that aside from maybe the off-ball scoring in terms of cutting and moving without the ball and stuff like that, a lot of the qualities that I just listed off actually are on the roster in the form of TJ Warren or Ish Wainwright, depending on which way you look at it. And those are the other questions, right? Is he better than Ish Wainwright? Well, right now, no. Is he better than TJ Warren? Again, right now, no. And is he better than Terrence Ross? Although you're not going to cut Ross, you're not going to cut Warren, but just in terms of the rotation even. And I think with Ross, the answer is no. He's not better than Terrence Ross. And so that would lead you to believe there aren't going to be minutes for him, right? To me, Reggie Jackson and Kevin Love, aside from Terrence Ross, were the only real players I thought would make sense in Phoenix. Once you started to hear Danny Green didn't look great at Memphis when he came back and he may never really be himself again physically based on what some Cleveland people were saying. Okay, then not Danny Green. I thought Reggie Jackson could could play, could make a difference, and I do think Kevin Love could have. But they didn't get here. They didn't come here. Terrence Ross did. I think he'll make an impact too. And I just don't feel like Barton would would break in or add anything or make it worthwhile to either cut a player or, which brings us to this last moment, last point, surpass the other guys that could also take that final roster spot. Ish I talked about. I think that's the front runner decision right now. But I want to talk about Stanley Johnson as well. This might be the last time we really get to talk about uh, buyout guys. I'll have guests, I think, the rest of the week on the show. And then Friday, we'll talk about the Thunder game. And we're not going to be sitting here talking about buyout guys on the debut of Kevin Durant that night. So Stanley Johnson is shooting 34% from deep over the past three seasons. Really two and a half, right? Because this year's not over yet. That's pretty solid. That's better, for instance, than what Josh Okogie was doing prior to coming here uh, from Minnesota. He has high turnovers, but he also can play make. Like he, his assists actually outpace the turnovers. He's really a player who does a lot with the ball in his hands. That that's you know high risk, high reward. But you know if you remember him at U of A here in Arizona, you know that he can do that. Even despite being what I, the next point I'm going to make, which is that he's huge. Right? He's six six two forty with the seven foot wingspan. That is when you're talking again about that checklist. Does he give you something no one else does? That type of size would be a nice replacement for what you're losing in not only Mikhail Bridges, but also Jay Crowder, who, you know, they still miss in, in their own way. He, to me, is sort of a bigger version of a Kogi. Maybe he's a little more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Maybe he's a little bit more of a playmaker in that way, but he's a bigger version of Josh Kogi with the wingspan, the physicality, and the size. The question with Stanley Johnson is more direct because I don't think he's very similar to TJ Warren because he's more of a defensive player than he is a scorer, whereas Warren is much more of a scorer than he is a defensive. Like, you know, they kind of would be opposites in a way. It's more so, does he, is he better than Ish Wainwright? Is he a better investment long-term than Ish Wainwright? And while, yes, you don't have to cut Ish in order to choose somebody ahead of him, I do just feel like there has to be a certain moment. Like, next season, you're going to have to make a decision Ish Wainwright's not going to come back on another two-way contract. It just feels like that would be silly. Ish is going to be, I think, 28 or 29 next season. He's not young. you got to remember that. 
and you just have to make a decision. So maybe you make the decision now. Stanley Johnson is a better long-term investment for us because he's younger, because he's still more, a little rawer, although he's been in the league a while. That's going to be the guy. He's not only going to get a roster spot this year, but you might even say, let's actually just sign him right now to a two-year contract. Maybe next year is non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed, and you lock a player in for multiple seasons, probably pretty cheap, and you 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 buy low, right? Or you just say, we're committing to Ish. You know, he's proven it. He's done everything we've asked him to do. He's improved his three-point shot. He can hold up on defense, and he knows our system, knows our locker room, knows our people, and that's what we got to do. I think when I say those things out loud, just judging from the way that Monty and James Jones have done business, they're going to choose the loyalty path. They're going to choose, you know, Ish has built himself into something here and, and we need to reward him. I mean, I think it's sometimes just as simple as that. And then you throw in the fact, again, that Darius Baisley is also on this roster, the final player in that mix that I have not already talked about. And he kind of is that Stanley Johnson mold, right? Where it's like, you're kind of buying low. He's a player who hasn't found his footing in the league. And you maybe just want to see if he can turn into something. I think the odds of either of those guys turning into a legitimate role player in the NBA is pretty low. But if you're talking about kind of disrespecting Ish Wainwright in a way in order to go get one, or let me just devote some of those resources of player development and, and, and you know, lineup maneuvering and future cap stuff and whatever, why don't we just do it with Baisley? We already have him. I think that's kind of where things will fall out. And so it's not the glamorous, not the sexy answer, but I do just think at the end of the day, they're going to just elevate Ish Wainwright. He doesn't have any more games available to him under the two-way deal. He's been active for 50 at this point, so he has to be elevated by Friday in order for the Suns to play him on Friday, which they might not. You never know what the rotation will look like with Durant, but I would imagine we get that sooner rather than later, and that's my that's my guess. That's my assumption. That's my prediction is Ish gets that final 15th roster spot. We'll see. Matt Ishbia did an interview with Sports Illustrated. I'll tell you why he not only came across very well once again, but corrected the record in an important way. We'll talk about that next. First, today's show brought to you as well by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat here in the new year, but you don't want a ton of fat and calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the wintertime, the holidays. You're spending more time at home. You're spending more time around treats and around family and big meals and all that stuff. Maybe Built Bar can be your solution to getting comfortable here in 2023. Or maybe you're always a health nut and you just want something new. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And what makes them so good is they're covered in 100% chocolate. That's the starting point. That's the baseline. And on top of that, they come in delicious flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. And no matter what, you're getting amazing macros too. No more than 150 calories, no more than five grams of sugar, but always 15 to 20 grams of protein. And now, on top of all of that, the deliciousness, the new year, you don't have to wait around to take advantage. For years, we've been telling you to order your boxes at Built.com. Well, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you're in the Valley, of course, that'll be no issue for you. There's a million of those. Four-bar boxes at Walmart, 13-bar box, jumbo boxes at Sam's Club. You can still go to Built.com. Or you can do the more convenient route. Either way, grab a pack of Built Bars today. Let's close things out. Chris Mannix talked about talked to Matt Ishbia about the Durant sweepstakes, the taking over of the Suns, and more over at Sports Illustrated. I encourage you to go read it. I don't think it's paywalled. 
check it out. But I was particularly interested, and if you've listened to this show the past two weeks since they got Durant, you will know where I'm coming from already. I was most interested in the credit that's being given out and the process and sort of the groundwork that's being laid for how this new front office and new leadership brain trust is going to function in Phoenix and how it's being talked about by the people involved. It might not seem important, but if you've ever worked anywhere, if you've ever read a book about these kinds of big shot guys and big time pressure cooker situations like this, it does matter. We all know it matters, right? Maybe it shouldn't, maybe you don't care, but it does. And Woj, in his initial article, right after the Durant thing came together, gave all of the credit to Matt Ishbia. At the 11th hour, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns came in and got the deal done. It's like that was literally how it was written, as if it was an episode of Law and Order or something. And then the more hilarious doubling down on that was, if you remember, Woj's tweets about Terrence Ross changing his mind from going to the Dallas Mavericks to going to the Phoenix Suns was similar. Although it did include Monty Williams, it was after a conversation and lots of uh, a full court press from head coach Monty Williams and new owner Matt Ishbia, Terrence Ross has changed his mind. He's coming to Phoenix. Very silly. And it didn't add up to me. And it felt to me like, although I could understand why the... PR advisors that Matt Ishbia has assembled, and yes, he has his own team of those separate from the Suns, might like the idea of puffing up Ishbia's role. It felt like it was going a little too far. You got to remember, he's coming into a very successful organization, a person in James Jones who got a promotion from Sam Garvin, the interim governor of the team, not too long ago to become the president of basketball operations. He's a reigning executive of the year, and Monty Williams is a two-time from the coaches union coach of the year, and he was the media coach of the year last year as well. Like These are not people who deserve to have the credit just slurped away from them as if it's nothing. And so my eyes, my eyebrows raised at that, and this interview cut against it a little bit and, and felt a little better to me. And it was all from Ishbia's mouth. It's not like somebody wrote an opinion piece and it aligned with my thing. And now I'm telling you it's right. It's from Ishbia and it seems a lot closer to the truth. So let me read it to you. He said to Mannix, quote, I'm obviously a different variable. And obviously I had to understand the luxury tax and understand what that is. And that was about four or five seconds of the conversation because that was not a discussion. He said later, so I'm not focused on every dollar. We'll make money. I promise we'll make money. That was the mentality. And it was a team decision. This is the important part. As in me and James and Ryan Resch, who works with James and my brother, Justin, we were all talking about it. So this was not Matt Ishbia swoops in to save the day from the bumbling general manager, James Jones, who almost broke the whole thing up and screwed the pooch. That's not what it all was. That's what you would have gotten if you read Woj's piece, which seemed to be very heavily influenced by some conglomeration of people who wanted to make Matt Ishbia look good. But Matt Ishbia himself gets the opportunity to talk, and he gives credit where credit is due. The people who actually do front office negotiating and decision-making did their jobs. Yes, Matt Ishbia has to sign off on it. That's how all businesses work. But James Jones got the deal done. He continued. All these conversations, we had them for hours and hours and hours in a room talking about it and getting everyone's perspective. Again, highlight that. And James obviously is the leader of that and knows it better than I could ever know it. And so I give him a lot of the credit. The financial piece was five seconds. They know I'm ready. That doesn't bother me. All right. 
given an opportunity to double down on his role being very big, very prominent, very powerful, very successful in the Durant chase, Ishbia deflected, gave it to the general manager, reaffirmed his trust and pride and support of Jones, and put that on the record. That matters. How much did we talk leading up to Ishbia taking over of, oh, is Sam Presti going to take over? What's about What about Paul Rivers? Who's that? Is Isaiah Thomas coming in? Is Magic Johnson coming in? Why is Steve Nash at the offices of uh, United Wholesale Mortgage? What's going on there? Maybe some of those things happen, but right now, Matt Ishbia is saying, we got this done in large part because of the people who are already there, knowing their stuff, doing the groundwork, doing the legwork, and making it happen. Duran is a son, and those guys deserve a lot of credit. That matters. With that all said, there was some other interesting stuff here. So that's my soapbox. That's the point that I want to affirm because it's not just me caping for Jones, although, yes, I guess I'm doing that. You can accuse me of that, and I'll, I'll own that. It's more so I don't love the idea of Matt Ishbia being turned into a superhero who gets all the deals done. Deal maker Matt. Like, that's silly, and I am not a fan of the big rich guy seeming like the only person who knows what he's doing. I just bristle against that, and I never felt like it was true in the first place, but I wanted to highlight that Ishbia himself seems to be thinking the same thing, and it matters long-term for the reasons I said about could he be replaced, what's the future of that front office going to look like. That seems like Jones has an inside track on maintaining his role. All right, the last part of this, though, is about, well, this is also about James Jones, right? But it, it, it speaks to the broader thing, separate from Durant. He said, I think my job as an owner is to put great people in position with all the resources they need to make the right decisions and then support them, good or bad, with them. I'm not watching film on the draft picks. James will recommend who he thinks and we'll talk about, and he might understand my vision on how character matters and leadership matters. So he'll know my vision of what matters to me and I'm what I believe in as a human being. But James will pick the best player, and that's his job. He went on later. I'm not calling Monty Williams to ask him why he played someone. I'll watch the game like a fan and cheer the team on. That's what my job is to do. Be the biggest supporter. Give Monty Williams all the support he needs. Give James Jones all the support they need to give all the players the support that they need. Okay? He's saying all the right things. He's been saying all the right things. He's He knows, he knows basketball. He knows sports. I think that helps. I think he knows kind of what the right way to approach it is. And that's not me saying he won't actually approach it that way, but Matt Ishbia knows what an owner should do. That is very clear to me. In terms of number one, the first thing in front of him to, to act on that, adding the amount of luxury tax money that he did to this team, elevating them into another, literal, the NBA has tax brackets for the luxury tax, just like the IRS has, right? And the Suns are now in a, in a significantly higher one because of that. So not only did he add money, but he made the multiplier of that money even higher. That's walking the walk, you know? And so I guess that is, you know, a, a W for Ishbia in, in that way of, of living up to what he's saying. And I, again, am not saying he will not continue to live up to it. All I'm saying is when you couple the support for Jones as well as the affirmation that he's going to be an empowerer rather than a micromanager, that is leading you to believe that things are going to continue in the right direction and that he respects and trusts the people who are already there. That's all we can operate from. We all know whatever happens come this spring, 
you know, this is a this is a championship or bust season. It, it has to be looked at that that looked at that way. And things could change. I could be sitting here doing a, an episode for you guys in June and saying, Ishbia fired everybody. What the hell's going on? I, I get that. But these are the things you want to hear. These are the things you want to see being done. And these are things that go against the media narrative. So just be aware of that. That'll wrap us up for today, guys. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. Go make Locked On NBA your second listen wherever you get podcasts. That show's available everywhere as well. Get caught up on everything going on around the league. Get ready for the stretch run in the NBA. Check that show out, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.